This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Geekscapist, welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, we like to get down and talk pop culture, movies, video games, comic books, TV. And we are in a time of pandemic and crisis. So this is going to be another remote episode. We've done that for the last couple episodes. And one thing that I haven't had those last couple episodes is my good friend Ian Kerner, who usually joins me for uh, our special podcasts when we talk about Star Wars or Marvel or any of these big events. I think that this is a big event. So I've invited Ian on to tell us kind of the state of the uh, geek, uh, you know, nation, the, the geek uh, union, and then uh, and then kind of talk to you a bit about, I don't know, I'm just trying to bring some normalcy back to my life at this point. <laughs> you get that feeling, Ian, where it's like, normalcy, what the fuck right? are we going to do to get some normalcy back? Who? Kn- hey, man, you know, I'm going on two weeks without new comic books. It's, it's never going to be normal again. Yeah, I don't know if we're the only ones either. Like, this is actually the thing I wanted to talk to you about because you're sending. I I last got comics two three weeks ago, and then the stores closed. They're non essential businesses, and at least here in California, that was a pretty quick move. Was to uh, tell all the non essential businesses, the those deemed non essential, that that they should close. And comic books were stores were definitely some of them. Um, is this the death knell for comic books? Can we talk about like what the comic book industry was like going into this and then what this now, may have done to it? Here's the thing. I mean, it's not as long as the companies don't print, don't do digital, you know, while this is happening. If they do that, then that, that's a big problem for print. You know, it's, it's funny. For, for years, I had thought, oh, I'll make, make the transition over to digital because it, it'll be cheaper. It's going to happen. And, and I have to give, you know, the publisher's credit, they held the pricing point, you know, which drove me nuts for a while. I would bitch, hey, you know, they always said the price was going up, the price is going up because the cost of printing, cost of paper. The reality is, while that might be true and they don't have those prices with digital, 
what they do have the second they lower those prices is everyone going to go to digital and not buy anymore. So by keeping those prices the same, they've kept it alive. Likewise, if you can't get the print copies and you can get digital, DC, and this is a good segue into what DC almost did, DC almost, almost published digitally this past week, which would have been the first week that there was no other way to get product out there. Um, that would have been a monumental hit. Because, you know, what happens is at that point, all right, I mean, yeah, there's a collector's market, but when you can't get it, anyone that's rabid for it is going to go get it digitally, right? So, right. you know, and you have to question, well, then how many people come back, you know? Um, back to print. Now, yeah, exactly. Is it a death knell to not have product for a month or two? I don't think so. Um, I think that, you know, while people are home, in theory, um, it seems like the, the the stores that are still open, you know, places like Mile High and, um, you know, some of the others have been still shipping a lot digitally. People are discovering product. So I think that the interest in it, if anything, with people having time hands, is only going up. So I don't I don't think demand goes down after this. Um, so I don't see it as a death knell in that sense. But I do think one of the areas where it's going to hurt a lot is you're going to see a lot of comic shops close because they can't weather the storm. Right. We, we've got these brick and mortar stores and there aren't really a lot of brick and mortar stores left beyond Barnes and Nobles here in the States for actual books. Comic books have kind of become like the vinyl record stores you know they're kind of like niche and they're staying open only because their products are are niche products and um i i worry that they weren't doing so well before this you know what i mean yeah, like they weren't the, the the days of the boom in the 90s so many of, the, of those stores you know i don't i don't know the exact statistic but i mean it, it's a huge percentage of how many how many fewer stores there are now right and th- this is going to take a big chunk out of that well how much of the of the readership goes print versus digital anyway? I think the vast majority of readership is a print readership. Am I wrong in this? You know, the thing is, they very they go out of the way not to release those numbers. I think because they don't want to encourage or or hurt the the print business. I I, I think you are wrong. I think more and more you're wrong. I think I think that the digital numbers are a lot more than we think they are. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would have placed them at the majority being still being tried and true print because of things like the collector's market and because of uh, I mean basically the that's that's what I think a lot of comic book fans are traditionalists. You know, it seems like digital is a bit of a more of a youth movement where people who are just getting into comics are getting in with something like Comicsology or a digital platform uh, well, because they don't have, they don't have the the they don't have the loyalty to a local comic book store or that's not part of their routine but again i could definitely definitely be wrong on that well by, by the way it, it, it's you know you, you hit two big good, very good points but i think the bigger one you know the problem that the comic book industry has had for a long time it's always oh get the young readers get the young readers because they're the future and you know and, and as older readers i think you know for a long time we resented that but you know we have to acknowledge that you know i mean look when, when i was a kid i was buying my new books they were 60 cents you know, and I could buy everything that Marvel and DC put out, you know, and oh my God, I was spending over $10 and I was spending $15 a week and my allowance and the, you know, working in the store to work off, you know, what I was buying, you know, things like that is what I did. But now, I mean, things are, you know, 
three ninety nine each, and yeah. there's so much more product. I mean, I I can't fathom what it would be to be a kid to try to be buying this stuff. And I guess maybe the uh, parents will still spend the money. But the bigger point I was going to make to you is that you really think I'll give you a great example. You know, you know my stepson, ten years old. Yeah, he likes. Oh, look, here's a physical one, but the digital makes much more sense to him. You know, right? I mean, it's just. I mean, I think that that's just the future of it. And listen, as you know, I myself recently moved over to, to, to digital because honestly, the, what, what did it for me uh, was I just didn't have the ability in my life since you know I, I've had changes the last couple of years. You know, first I moved in with my then fiance. I got married. Um, I wasn't able to, within the scopes of my life with a family, read, you know, print as easily as I was able to read digitally. I just found that, you know, making that switch, I'm not even kidding when I tell you I read at least five times as many books a week as I did before. Holy crap. But I mean, is it, but is it reading, is it the reading time or is it storage? Because the storage is really where I think I'm going to have some problems. (laughs) Well, as you know, storage was a big thing for me, but, and then it's even just the wealthiness of it. Like, all right, like I, it's easy for me to read in bed. You know, when my wife goes to sleep on my iPad. It was not easy for me. It's not like I, I mean, yes, I could t- have a short box sitting there in theory, not in practicality, you know? Right. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm not advocating for it necessarily. I'm just saying that it took me a long time and I finally gave in. You know, um, it, it's a tricky thing. You know, um, it, is it to me, it's not the same. Well, you were really loyal to our local comic book shop for yeah. years. And they, they, you were a big part of their business. When you went digitally, Ian, are, is a, are you able to do something like where like a percentage of your purchases still go to that local comic book shop? Or no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Because you start to, you start to see things here where ordering online for digital through your local comic book shop still gives them a percentage of it. But I don't see why the incentive would be for publishers other than to keep that print market open. And if this thing goes on two, three, four months past what we expect it to, like what small local comic book shop is still going to be able to be open mm-hmm. without like major like federal aid? That's right. That's right. I mean, look, I mean, you know, going even into, into the, the big picture, um, you know, this is also scary. I mean, everyone has to look at their own finances because, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a huge sea, sea change in terms of, you know, what we even have to spend on things. You know, this country has become, it, it was always consumer minded, but it, it's astonishing to me the amount of money that we now have, you know, and, and Jonathan, just Tom, I know you. Look at the video game business. I mean, everything, the amount of money we spend on consumerism. And people are facing something that I don't think we've ever faced before. Not our generation. Forget our generation. Not not, not our parents' generation, not our grandparents' generation. Right. I think our great, great, well, I think our war, the war generations did deal with this. I think those were the war generations dealt with this. Yeah. The, you know, the 100 years ago, the 1918 generation. That's right dealt with this but our generation our parents generation and, definitely and, and, did and, not. May, and maybe the great depression right right um i mean this is going to be massive it so, could, you know, could print comics survive and retain their collectability if they were printed on toilet paper I, listen he, he, funny uh right the value right he, i mean l- listen I, I i'm not advocating using your comics toilet paper <laughs> but the thing is this 
ultimately, you know, determining their survival is about the companies behind them. Big companies like Marvel and DC, whom, listen, you know, I, I don't know that all the listeners know this, but generally speaking, the reality is that print does not do great. The trade paperback, you know, that, that reprint market has ma- made them find a way to make some money. But it's always it's been about the IP for a long time now. Right. And generally, I mean, listen, it, it was, you know, I don't think it's apocrypha to state that, you know, at DC, the understanding has been, yeah, you can lose up to a certain number of million a year to keep developing the IP for us, you know, for Warner Brothers. Um, Marvel may be a little bit of a different game, but again, obviously they're making so much money for Disney in the, in the cinematic world that, yeah, you know, so a few million dollars a year, if they're negative to develop that IP, it makes all the sense in the world. What happens in, in like a situation now where you have some of these movies being slid, right? Um, we've got those movies based on the IP from Black Widow to uh, the Elementals or, you know, and all this, like they're all being Eternals. slid. Eternal, sorry. Uh, they're being slid months. There's well, to be, well, uh, you know, half well, a year. What happens is, is that every single one of these companies gets hit. Every company has a bad year. It's a bad year for most businesses. You know, there's a handful that's a great year for. Uh, toilet paper companies are doing great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You we know? discussed that on the, we discussed that on the last Geekscape when we found out that Matt Kelly's dad works for a toilet paper company and that oh. his, his job is absolutely deemed essential and he has to go to work nonstop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make that toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there, oper- you know, so we're talking about entertainment and I think video games are ones with, especially now that we're in like a downloadable content age where mm-hmm. you can just do- download games. I think video games are ones that are, are, are kind of, and plus we're all at home and we now have the time to play video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, video- <laughs> dude, I have not played a fucking, I- I'm looking at my switch right now. And I'm like, you know what? That lasted like a day where I was like, yeah, I'm going to play some games all day. And it lasted a day. And now I just can't do it. I, I'm not wired. You, you, like better, you, better, you better find time because my, my stepson's ready to play with you. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, that being said, that market, because of the distribution channels being digital, uh, and of course, you can always mail order video games and things like that. That seems like the least affected is the video game one. But um, what opportunities oh, I, are there in like in like movies and comics so, for maybe so, like nascent creators to find a little bit of an edge in here? Here's the thing. I mean, I, I listen. Content's a big deal. You know, you you know, I work in post production. Mm-hmm. Our big problem is, you know, for the most part, post production has found ways, creative ways, with engineering teams killing themselves, working like nuts to get people set up at home. But but we've done it. And, you know, like I'm still working every day. I'm working from home, but I'm busy. I'm on conference calls. I have, you know, making things, you know, you know making sure things are still happening. But we're going to run out of content because production is shut down. Mm-hmm. So, look, you know, when you talk about opportunities, I mean, you know, they announced today um, that the show All Rise is actually going to do an episode, you know, from within this, like basically they're putting the whole situation that's happening in the world into their universe and they're shooting the whole episode, zoom everything else as if like, it's a case that's happening exactly this way where the the judge deliberates via zoom and all of that. 
Um, wow. So there are, there are creative things that can be done. You know, I, I think that um, show, shows and movies that shoot only on a soundstage will be back to work sooner because they'll be able to control a set a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, listen, I mean, opportunities, people want to shoot things, shoot yourself. You know, if you can get it done, you know, then it's content that someone might be interested in making. So I've been editing podcasts nonstop for 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 companies like i've just been full-time editing yeah, and producing and recording podcasts the other thing is working on our animated project like the animated project is the one that leapfrogged the live uh, I action three, project. i have three animated shows that i work on they're all going you know it's been insane so this is really shaping up like what i mean does does hollywood come back in crisis control do we do they come back and say yeah let's finance some of the smaller projects knowing that we can lose them if we need to but some of the bigger projects let's wait and see 6 months to a year before we do another big marvel movie or be, you know like like well, a, like marvel has eternals and black widow in the can for the most part what else do they have that is well, shang chi might have been already shot but like something like Thor, Love and Thunder, like where where was that in production? And is that one that they sit on for a little bit? Because who knows if they just, it, it, I mean, those are six, nine month shoots, you know, and if they have to stop for another one of these crises, they're going to lose a lot. Yeah, no, you make a good point. Um, my opinion is I don't think that the studios can go back and shoot until that we get to a place where, Testing is easy. There, the bill, the number of tests are prevalent. I mean, they have to be able to probably. I kind of Germany recently announced a plan to test for antibodies. They need to be able to determine if the people aren't sick or that they have the antibodies. And if, and this is a big question, if there's an actual immunity, you know, derived from having antibodies present um, before they're going to be able to actually shoot. the other big question when you talk about these big movies is are people going to go to theaters? Right? One people, thing are going, people are going to, to church. Them. Yeah. <laughs> people are going well, to mega churches. <laughs> some are, yeah. Um, but anyway, you, you, you see my point. I know, but I would um, say that some of these Marvel releases, some of the people flock to them like they're going to mega churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I don't know what I'd do. Um, I know what my wife would say. I mean, by the way, which is, which is a nice. Uh, segue into uh, discussing Comic-Con. Right. I know people are going, oh, it's Comic-Con happening, it's Comic-Con happening. I don't see how Comic-Con could possibly happen in July. Agreed. Nor um, should it. Yeah, for, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, but I will say this, if it was happening, I've been told I'm not going. Yeah, so she put the clamp you down know? on that one? Yeah, well, listen, I have no illusions about who's boss. But, you know. <laughs> This is a new Ian Kerner we're hearing on the show. <laughs> um, we we had a week or two before this. We had just finished putting the deposit down in our exhibitor hotel room. Uh, you know, we get we get them a little earlier than the than they open up before attendees, and um, and we had some great rooms. We had a rooms a, a block from the convention center, almost across the street, and we were really looking forward to having that kind of accessibility and and ease with going to the convention this year. But that being said, we're ready to skip that whole thing right now. If this thing holds to July, but if it doesn't, if it, if San Diego doesn't cancel, but postpones, I don't see another window that they can take and still make it a San Diego comic-con. Is there a November? Is there a December reality for San Diego comic-con? 
or do they just skip the year and make it 2021? You know, the Olympics are still calling it the 2020 Olympics, even though they're doing 2021. Um, where could Comic-Con even slide to if they decide not to cancel it, which would be great, but they postpone it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I think part of the logistics there have a lot to do with the convention center, right? I don't mm-hmm. know what their scheduling is. I mean, I assuming everything was safe, I would be willing to go in November. I don't have a problem with that. No, no. I think November, December would be, you know, again, depending on what the convention center blocks for. But right. these things block a year at a time. And <laughs> that year might be full. And in... Is there a, an alternative to, to the convention center? Is something like the Anaheim Convention Center, which is actually bigger than the San Diego Convention Center, and they've talked about it a lot and they're familiar with it through WonderCon, is there a fall alternative to the San Diego Comic-Con that is a fall WonderCon where they say, okay, we're familiar with the Anaheim Convention Center. It's one county up from San Diego. It's a big county, but it's one county up. And we have relationships with the hotels. We have relationships with the downtown area. We have relationships with the permits and the convention center that's required. Let's move San Diego in the fall to Anaheim, and let's kick it back up again in July. Yeah, it was odd about that, considering WonderCon you know, was, was canceled. I mean, yeah, WonderCon it, was like a it, week or two from this cancellation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is this, is that like, is that WonderCon or is it Comic-Con? I don't know. Right. To me, my feeling for all the conversations about moving it, it's not, it was, it's San Diego Comic-Con. Right. Right. It's not, I, I went to other comic conventions for years and years. That's San Diego Comic-Con. If it's not in San Diego, if it's, the, if it was the same weekend in July, even so it's not Comic-Con. Not, is it Comic-Con in November? If it's in San Diego, yes. Okay. You know, but if you take it out of there, like that's the San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'd be willing to go and have a cold San Diego Comic-Con in November, December. I just don't think that a lot of us are willing to go in July. Uh, you know, loss of money or not, I think that we... Yeah. You know, what happens if it's it's irresponsible to even suggest going? What if they actually don't cancel it? Because, I mean, I know we that that George and I would lose a bit of our shirts on it because we've already prepaid for the year. We've already prepaid for hotels, that kind of stuff. A a lot of exhibitors would just get stuck. But um, maybe they would do some kind of refund deferment program. But um, I just don't see they're going to cancel it, Ian. They're going to cancel it, right? I, I, I I think that they're waiting because there, there are a lot of situations with prepays and everything else. And I'm sure that there's, you know, deposits that they've made that they want to be able to get back that, you know, they need that kind of force majeure situation. They need, you know, the government to be, to say that they're canceling. Here's the thing. I don't think that there's any way that July's tricky because I, I think production probably goes back in July, but production means like a controlled set where people are being tested. You yes. can't do that and Comic Con something like that. You can't. Well, most TV shows, it. most TV shows do come back in July in production. A lot of cable TV shows. The, no, no, the 13th, normally they do. They, what I, yeah, normally what I'm they saying, do. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is that it, it coincidentally, I think July is when things will will get back to shooting again. Again, this is just an educated guess. It, I'm not. It's not by any way gospel. Um, it so happens, and I've said this in other uh, places, that 
it lines up with when network TV traditionally has shot so that this year is actually going to look a lot more like the old time schedule of there was no other work through the summer. And for the post-production business, there's no work really hitting outside of dailies until September, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, that, that, that's when I think things will be shooting again, but that's, I mean, even if it's hundreds, it's so much smaller than the hundreds of thousands of people just in the convention center, not much less all the people around, you know, gas up and all that. I do not see that happening by July. I mean, um, we all saw what Mardi Gras was in New Orleans and every, and that, that ended up filtering into us, all the other states around it. Mississippi now has a big problem and a lot of it yeah. can, be, can be dragged back to uh, the people who went to Mardi Gras. I'm sure because they did not cancel Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Ian, what's what else has been going on? I, you saw Onward and you enjoyed it. I'm glad you Loved enjoyed Onward. Onward. It's amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, it, it, it's a shame, you know that I don't, you know, I I don't know what 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 you know how much of a loss does Disney take on that? Right, they put it. They just put it on Disney Plus, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it on Disney Plus. Now, uh, we got to talk Bloodshot because it took me yeah. three sittings to get through Bloodshot. No so, offense, but like I'm Bloodshot, offended. it's like no so, offense to Vin, no offense to the to people who are trying new comic book universes out there. But I don't know if this is how you start one off. So as you know, I actually ended up going to the premiere of Bloodshot. So I actually did see that in the theater. Um, and it, it was enough time in advance that, uh, you know, by the time it was hitting to come out, you know, uh, in theaters, I wouldn't have gone. And it was just right. like that, like, like, hmm, how we feel we were talking about it. No one was quarantined yet. And I went. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, as you know, I'm a giant Valiant fan. I've read every Valiant comic book all the way back to the start in the 90s. Um, I liked it more than I expected to not saying it's a good movie. It just was better than <laughs> I expected. Um, it's very much a very, very recent take in terms of the comics on the property. Um, I thought it was fun. The action was good. It was a lot in a lot of ways true to the, to the comic in some big ways it was lacking. Um, they do have him doing things like using the nanites to search through things. But, you know, in the comic, he like directly takes control of, you know, of, um, of, you know, devices and like has the nanites talk to devices. And I don't know. I felt there was a little more of a, how do I put it? They, the way they did it in the movie was just kind of that subtle thing. Oh, he's in the system. He's doing this. And I guess I always imagine it being a little more active, like in the field, just suddenly doing something, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But um, mm-hmm. for the most part, I thought they did a good job of, of that, of the reset stuff. You know, I guess I wasn't as bothered by, you know, I just expected seeing Vin Diesel do it. I expected it to be very much, a, you know, just so much more about Vin's character and, you know, Vinisms, if you will, right? And I guess there were a I, lot of Vinisms, man. What's that? There were a lot of Vinisms. Yeah, I mean, somewhat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I can I tell you? I, I I thought it was fun. I didn't hate it. Um, I watched the Way Back, yeah, the Ben Affleck movie that Gavin Hood did, and I only mentioned it because Gavin Hood has done 
He's done a Wolverine movie, didn't he? Didn't he yeah. do the Wolverine? He did yeah. the second one. No, or was that who did no, the? No, it was, it was um, Mangold. Yeah, yeah, Mangold. Man, Mangold did, did, did Mangold do both, both Logan yeah. and the Wolverine yeah. before it? Yes, yes. Which one did Gavin Hood do? Did Gavin did Hood do, end up doing a Wolverine right? movie, or was he just in the running? Did who did the first one? Who did X Men? The first. Oh man, I hope that's not Gavin Hood because I really love Gavin Hood. <laughs> Gavin Hood did Warrior, which I thought was great. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Are, oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't, he didn't do Origins. No, no, I think he was just in the running. Yeah, so Gavin Hood's one of these guys who keeps getting brought up as taking on one of these solo movies, and uh, and here he is directing, you know, Ben Affleck in a basketball movie about a guy trying to put his life back together. Uh, thought it was no, pretty no, heartwarming. No, 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 I'm I'm mistaken. He did do uh, X Men Origins Wolverine. Gavin, Gavin, I love you, man. What you doing? <laughs> did you see Warrior, the MMA movie with Tom Hardy and Joel Egerton? Yeah, you're confused. That's Gavin O'Connor. That's Gavin O'Connor. Yes. And that's why I was okay. Like, Let me think. Okay, there's a lot of Gavins going on. Okay, who did the way yeah. back? Um. The I'm way looking back, it up right now. Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor did the way back. So Gavin yeah. Hood didn't do any of that. Okay. No. So so Gavin O'Connor is the guy who I think is yeah. awesome. Yes. Because I like Warrior. I like Miracle. Yes. I like all this stuff. And the way back was a really nice movie. You know, and, it's like. And you, and you confused me because I've met Gavin O'Connor. I did a pilot with him. Yeah. You said, you said like the Warrior. I was like, wait, no, that wasn't Gavin Hood. So yeah. And, and I actually interviewed Gavin O'Connor for Warrior. And um, the dude was a cool guy. Um, I don't think anybody saw The Accountant, which was Ben Affleck's movie that he did with him. Oh, I did. It was good. The Accountant's good? Yeah. So this so this guy makes some pretty good movies, and he's kind of yeah. under the radar. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's had a, a certain amount of attention. He, he's, a, he's a good career. You he's, think he's a great filmmaker. I agree. I agree. And I'm like, what, where, where's this guy's, you know, where's this guy's Marvel movie? Um, I mean, that, that's a good question. Oh, he inherited the the Jane got a gun situation with uh, yeah. Natalie Portman, yes, and, and Joel Egerton. And I don't know the whole situation by, behind that one, but it was, you know, it was supposed to be one director, and then it changed directors, and Natalie wasn't happy. Is that right? And then it got to Gavin O'Connor, and and I think nobody ever saw it. No, no Gavin started on it. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know how it ended, but I was around. Our friend Ryan actually was involved in that in the in the, the early part of it before it went. Wow, stuff, so. it's just one of those movies where like like it's probably a really good movie and then things just get away from you. You know what I mean? And that just happens sometimes. So sometimes there are so many moving parts on these huge things that you look up and it's like, oh well, it yeah. somewhere I, it just took a left turn. Near to that. Um, honestly, I, I I've heard that it isn't bad. I want to see this accountant now. I want to see the accountant. Oh, the accountant you'll like. Yeah, that looks like a good one. Watch that. Yeah. Um, so, Ian, what's going on with you personally through this coronavirus thing? What's been going on? How are you holding um, up, dude? Not I'm a bad honey, okay. not a bad honeymoon, huh? Yeah. I'm holding up okay. Um, you know, my wife and I were both a bit under the weather, and then it turned out my stepson's father and his girlfriend were diagnosed positive. And like officially stepson, tested and diagnosed positive. Yes. yes. And, um, and my stepson, um, you know, he goes back and forth, but you know, under quarantine, he is not, 
but he had been, you know, over there before that. So we thought there's a good chance we have it. Um, again, I, th- I know I've told you, but we couldn't get tested. Um, you know, my wife had tried, you know, through seizures a couple times, all that. And then my personal doctor was initially going to have us come in. He said he had a test and then decided knowing all, all, all everything, um, he didn't want to test us because he didn't want us to come in and maybe expose people. So he ended up putting us uh, on the oxychloroquine and the uh, Z-Pack, and we're feeling much better. We're, How long ago was that, dude? Um, Wednesday. No, wait. Okay, so we're, we're recording this on Monday, and yeah, when, when did it, it was this past Wednesday? Yes. So five days ago? Yes. That you guys got the... Uh, the what was it called? Z pack and the oxychloroquine. The oxychloroquine, and you guys um, were able to find it because that's uh, which was not easy. Which is not easy. But how long did were you feeling sick before that? Um, you know, that's just it. Like we had had a little bug that you know my wife thinks was just a different one. You know, weeks before. You know, she was sicker than I. I, I really was fine. I had don't, a little. Don't use this instance to brag about your toughness. I mean, it wasn't about that. It just so happened that I was not as down as she was. Um, but then last week, we just started feeling like very tired. Like, like I just felt like a weight was on me, like my energy. I and mean, I can get up and do stuff. But I just didn't want to. I felt very dry. We never had fever. Um, and, when you mean dry, uh, you mean dehydrated or you mean dry? Well, that's just it. Like, I would drink water and drink water and my throat just felt dry. Huh. So it was just very odd. And it was just a feeling I'd never had before. People said, oh, you must be exhausted. I was like, mm, you know, I, I know what exhaustion is. You know, I know what it is to be really tired. You know, I've, I've done some strenuous activity in my life, as you're aware. You know, um, didn't feel like that. You know, um, but um, energy is much better again. Um, feel pretty good now. As a direct result, you think, of having taken this stuff? Not that I want to, like, I, I, I propose do, any... I, I, yeah. No. Um, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I'm not a big fan of like people, you know, self-medicating, all that. My doctor put me on it. But I will say within a day of taking it, it was a drastic improvement. Hmm. So you so, think the odds yeah. are good that you might have gotten sick? Yeah. I, now, I really wish I knew. I'd love to know for sure. You know, I'm still wearing a mask to walk the dog, you know, but. Um, if you, if you, I wonder if you got tested now or, you know, Monday, it's Monday and you've been on this stuff for five days and maybe you're done with it now, but let's say in a week, two weeks, three weeks, I wonder if there's a test for antibodies that you may have developed that could tell you whether or not you positively had it. Well, that's just it. It depends on the test. A test for antibodies should show it. Yes. But just a test, you know, like a nasal swab might not. So it's funny, a doctor friend of mine I was talking to last night said, yeah, well, it's not going to make a difference now. It depends on what the test is. It needs to be a test for antibodies, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the big question with this would be, how long do the antibodies last? There are viruses and antibodies last a year. There are viruses and antibodies that last a few years. And I bring that up for the concept of whether or not you have immunity beyond that. If you still have the antibodies, in theory, you have immunity. If you no longer have the antibodies... If they didn't last in your system, then you wouldn't. You could easily get the same thing again. If you're so, a bloodshot, you wouldn't have this period, like problem period. Theoretically, bloodshots, nanites could attack the virus, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
No. I know this is a serious situation. It's fine. It's fine. I just I, have to strip I, things I, I down to I my am. I just have to strip things down to my own ability to comprehend. You know what I mean? My my own yes. limited comprehension. We have to yes. put these things into bloodshot terms. Yes, yes. So anyway, um, you know, I I have not had the luxury to be able to, you know, this thing happen. You know, I want to take a positive attitude. I'm going to catch up on this and all that. Um, I've been working throughout it. I've been very busy during the day. I have a stepkid who's getting homeschooled at the same time. So, you know, it's tricky. Um, right. I do hope that I'm feeling, you know, um, well enough to, I'd like to work on my cardio while I'm, you know, home so much, you know, so. Oh my God. Mine has gone to hell. Yeah. It's You're not getting the, out doing your morning well, stuff. The, well, the, I have been, but it's all been, I mean, there's been no distance running. Yeah. There's been, there's been hill running, but there hasn't been like double digit mileage. In I'll, I'll tell you, it, I, I walk the dog and, and of course it makes sense with all the gyms down. So many people running. I mean, people running everywhere yeah. because. Yeah. Else? And I want to go to places people don't go. So I'm, right. I think tomorrow if the weather holds, I'm going to go to like the worst, one of the worst, another one of the worst hills in LA because nobody's going to do it. Okay. That's, that's, that's been idea. my hack. That's been my hack for like exercising outside during mm-hmm. the, um, during the social distancing ordinance is just going mm-hmm. to places nobody else would want to do because the hill is psychotic. Okay. That that's makes been sense. my goal. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. We did the Beastie Boys. We did the, the hill from the Beastie Boys sabotage video. Uh, that's a hill called Baxter in Echo Park. And it has like a 34 degree grade or something stupid like that. And they won't, dr- wow. they won't the, the, the post office won't drive a car up it to deliver mail. You have to walk it. And, uh, and the, so it has its own postman because the hill is so stupid. It's just something they would never have built if they didn't build it 100 years ago. So um, they, we, we run that hill every now and then. And, no, you know. No one's going to do it. So you just got to go out there and do it. Uh, but I'm excited to go back to, to group activities, man. I, I want to go yeah, see yeah. movies in the theater again. Yeah. I would have even gone to see Bloodshot. And that would have been fun to see with you. I, I wonder what my take on it would be if I'd seen it with you. Um, you know, <laughs> listen, that's Shut up, Jonathan. Quit back. talking to the movie. Well, I never do that. <laughs> I never do that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, things will come back, but it's going to be a rough year, you know? Um, yeah, exhibition's going to be hurt, but you know, the, the Marvel movies will weather it. I mean, DC was smart. Uh, excuse me, DC, Disney, I meant to say was smart. You know, look how far out they pushed Black Widow. We're getting yeah, the movie six months November. later. Yeah. Six and that's not a bad later. spot for them. That's, that's traditionally no. the Thor spot. So like they yeah, know their spot. And, and yeah. then, like two months after that, we're getting Eternals. Yeah, yeah, which is I crazy. Mean, and I don't know where they weren't <laughs> shooting Eternals, but I assume I, I, I think they'd finished shooting it and they're in post. But I'm not yeah. sure on that one. Yeah. Well, Ian, anything else you want to add to the Geekscapists before we call it? Um, you know, as I was saying, you know, listen, it, it's if you have the time, it's a great time to catch up, to read some stuff, to, you know, get exposed to some great things out there. There's a lot of great shows out there. You Watch know, Farscape as I'm doing. I'm rewatching Farscape and I'm, I've I'm been so reading Miracle Man. Oh, awesome. yeah. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Hey, of did that. you read the original Miracle Man? I did. Yeah. It's it's really it. weird stuff, man. It's really sure. 
really weird stuff. Sure. So I, I've been like going back to some classics. I've been reading Miracle Man, and then I was reading Mage, which okay. is old cool. school. So I think I kind of went old school Eclipse Comics, and that's kind of what yeah. I've been doing is like going back to some of the publishers who aren't around anymore and reading that's some of cool. that stuff. Yeah. Um, I I could do a shout out to my, my friend FJ's new show on sci-fi vagrant queen. It's fun. You know, uh, cool. I think that people would like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good shows on these days, you know? Um, and yet we still heard, watch tiger King. I, hey, you know, tiger King was, uh, listen, it's what people are talking about, right? It's interesting. You got to stay up on pop culture, right? right. <laughs> it was just one of those right. things like you right. can't turn it off. You know, it's like, you can't turn this off. Why can I not turn this off? Do you watch Ozark? Yeah, uh, yeah. Heidi's been watching Ozark, and uh, and Ozark. that's another pretty solid show. Um, yeah, I, I've not been, I've only been watching it in the periphery, but for the most part, it's just been oh, writing, editing, you, and recording. You should, you should yeah. watch that show, Jonathan. It's a good show. A lot of these shows, I'm like, oh, well, we return to normalcy, and I don't feel guilty for, like, sitting and watching something i'll do it you know what i mean but i've, I've discovered yeah, I that i'm pretty opposite. i'm pretty I'm wired i know but i'm so wired to just keep things moving <laughs> i've been having fun yeah. like just being productive okay good good being productive is great yeah you know well, i mean dude, after that me we're trying to get stuff done around the house you know but um yeah you know listen, it's a spooky time more because of for everybody it's the financial stuff right you know but um i think that you know positive attitude people need to stay healthy rest and you know and the great thing about all this this stuff this entertainment is take your mind off of things you know um there's a lot of good entertainment out there you know i'm happy to do recommendations as i know jonathan is but there's some really good shows out there you know um some really good movies out there and there's a lot of good comic book material Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, maybe we post uh, some non DC and Marvel stuff to get people into, you know what I mean? So sure, we just got to sure. think of uh, we got to think of a couple different things to recommend. The Geeks gave us. Maybe we do a special podcast here in a little bit, uh, a week or two, where we say uh, some of the non big two comic recommendations, and then work oh, our sure. way into like maybe some of the more vague TV shows or uh, things like that that people yeah. might have missed. And you already called that Farscape. That's you know everyone should watch that. I'm getting a handful of people. A handful of people have told me that they are get, using this time to get into Farscape, and I'm saying, hey, bear with that first season. Get it's the nerve. To, yeah, just get to episode 19, and really like two or three episodes before episode 19, uh-huh. you see an yeah, uptick yeah. in the writing quality and the and the production quality, and then you're like, wait, well, this show, this show is getting a lot better. Well, the few episodes before that is when it's leading right into it. Right. Uh, but I got to tell you, in season two, the even though the production value goes way up, and you think that it's like a, yeah. it's almost like a different show, there are still episodes like Taking the Stone, which are rough. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. <laughs> but I hear Next, you. <laughs> all right, dude. I'll talk to you later. Stay healthy. Sounds good. You too. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 